Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. I'm in Chicago, which is pretty frequently, and if, if I'm going to openings and things like that, Chicago knows our scene. They know our scene. They know our museum. They know our galleries. Um, they're they're looking at us for sure. Um, so. I honestly think, too, that Rockford, we have such a unique aesthetic. We have such a unique attitude that's so different um, than Chicago. So I think we just need to keep pushing ourselves and keep going in the direction that we're going. I'm Scott Yates, photographer and multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. This show is where we meet the artists who make our community a more beautiful place. This week, we meet Carrie Johnson. Carrie is the Interim Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Rockford Art Museum, a post she's held since 2012. She started working there in 2006. Carrie's educational background includes theater and directing studies, which flavor her curatorial style. She's proud of the collaborative spirit she finds within the Rockford art scene. She credits this work ethic for the city's rise out of the shadow of Chicago. In this episode, we talk about Carrie's new personal art studio at Mainframe, her unique velvet flock painting technique, her lesser-known singing talent, and her ideas to foster the growth of community art in Rockford. Rockford Art Museum is integral in the production of the annual Greenwich Village Art Fair, which kicks off on September 14 and 15. Carrie visited the Register Star newsroom last week for this podcast. So let's drop in on our conversation now. Carrie Johnson, thank you so much for coming into the Register Star Newsroom today for the podcast. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. So you are the newest interim executive director and chief curator of the Rockford Art Museum. That's a new title for you. It's a new role. It's a mouthful. It, uh, quite a mouthful, <laughs> but uh, you're used to the workload. Yes. You've been around for a little bit. Yep, yep. It's, it was a smooth transition into that role because I've been with the museum for 13 years. So I've kind of worn every hat that there is there. I started in the store um, doing the buying and customer service, and then I moved into the education director position, 
And then I was named curator in 2012, and I've been doing that role ever since. So um, this was just kind of the next natural step. You have been a leader in the Rockford art community for some time. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast where we meet the artists who make this community a more beautiful place. Uh, You are a valuable voice in Rockford and beyond. So I think today's episode is a special treat where we get to know you a little bit more. Thank you. Again, thank you for coming around. One of our big news items this month is the upcoming Greenwich Village Art Fair. It's coming to town on September 14th and 15th. And for folks not in the know, this event takes up the entire parking lot outside of the Rockford Art Museum. And uh, little spoken of fact, the Rockford Art Museum is actually housed inside what is called the Riverfront Museum Park there on North Main Street, uh, which is the home and has been the home for the Discovery Center Museum, the Rockford Art Museum, Rockford Dance Company, and the Rockford Symphony Orchestra for over 20 years, though, there. Uh, Quite a lot of culture in that one little block of North Main Street there. And in mid-September, we are going to see even more at the Greenwich Village Art Fair. For the uninitiated, what is that and what can we expect to look forward to? Well, Greenwich Village Art Fair is really, it's it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. It's a really great time for us all to get together, have local artists participate, not only local artists, but we have artists coming in all across the nation. So it's an amazing opportunity for our community to come down to the museum and to be able to explore uh, the fine art that is coming from across the nation. Not only that, but we've got a music soundstage, so it's a really fun opportunity for us to get local and regional bands to come down. And then we've got food and we've got the point bar, so it's really fun for us because it's a full weekend. You can come down both days. It's free admission to the museum all weekend too. So it's a great opportunity to see the the newest exhibition. And it's just a really fun time. It's also that time of year where it's just starting to get a little cool. Now last year it was about 90 degrees the entire weekend. So that's a bad example, but it's really kind of a kickoff to fall. And it's, it's the first time that, you know, everybody's starting to experience kind of the, the wind changing. And it's just, it's a, it's such a fun weekend. Great. Uh, Speaking of uh, being able to see the latest exhibit there at the museum for free, uh, your friends say that you have a a mind that's a steel trap for trivia and factoids in art and art culture. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't know about that. That's the first time I've heard that. Okay. Well, then your friends uh, think of you in high esteem. That's then. so nice. Yeah. Um, you have uh, certainly a comprehensive knowledge of arts in general, uh, and you use that, uh, I would assume, on the daily there at the museum. Um, how do you attain all this information, and, and how specifically does it help you in your daily work? Passion. That's what it comes down to. Um, I I love it. I love I love the museum. I love Rockford. I love art. And so it's really, it's kind of ideal, the ideal job for me. It's kind of what everybody, I guess, um, 
you know, aspires to, to get in their life is just something, a job that they're passionate about. So it's been, we've got such an amazing permanent collection at the museum. So even when I was in the store, I was doing the buying and um, I was the customer service coordinator. Um, I was able to work with the curatorial department at that time. And so I was able to start writing didactics for the permanent collection shows. So it's just doing all the research on the artists so that we could have these really um, interesting wall labels that go with each piece. And so I was able to really learn about our permanent collection. And so I was always just researching and it's the same thing with um, curating a show is I'm always on um, galleries websites. I'm always seeking out new artists, especially regional because we are a really strong regional museum. So it's always fun for me and something that I even do on my time off is to be going into Chicago and Milwaukee, Madison, Indianapolis, seeking out uh, new galleries, seeking out museums and artists so that I'm continuously learning and um, finding new artists that I think would be good for our community. So you found something that you are just genuinely passionate about and, uh, dare I say, obsessive. Uh, just with I can sh- go down those rabbit holes for yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then then an, a healthy obsession yeah, right. that uh, you've turned into a day job. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful. I think every artist should be so lucky. Now, you mentioned uh, a little bit about curating a show. What goes into that? So how it usually starts is um, – I, I I start doing research, and I'm I'm always looking um, on again on the internet, trying to find new artists. Again, social media is such a good way for me to reach out to to new artists too. And I'm just for you to reach out to them. Are you open to folks uh, finding you and reaching out to you? Um, you know, I I've kind of I I, I don't really I don't really accept proposals because my job is to curate them. So it's my vision, I guess, that um, I'm always open to seeing work by artists. So I'm not saying that I don't appreciate somebody sending me a few images um, or sending me a link to their website. I love that too. But really proposals, that's really the heart of my job. And that's part I really like. So I'm always thinking about what's good for my community. So uh, two years ago, uh, we did a show called Misfits, and that was um, we were focusing on 1960s motorcycle culture. And I was working with local bike builders who who do these choppers, and so it was really fun because we've got a huge Harley community, and we've got Milwaukee that's so close. And so, trying to find um, a hook for our community that's going to bring people in and then showing them a series of Danny Lyon photographs that's really bringing in that fine art aspect. That's kind of what my challenge is all the time is. How can I bring in this fine art, incorporate education, but really make it um, interesting to Rockford's community? Fantastic. Um, not only are you constantly researching regional artists to come into uh, the Rockford Art Museum, you you also create your own personal work, too. Let's talk a little bit about you as the artist, as opposed to you as the curator. Um, you are uh, a painter. 
You have a sweet new loft studio space over at Mainframe, located on Kilburn and Auburn Streets. Um, that that big warehouse is really a fascinating location. Um, you took over uh, one studio room uh, that used to be occupied by a past Meet the Artist guest, Sarah Reed McNamara. How are you liking your new space over there? I love my new space. So, um, gosh, the beginning of that, I've always been uh, into the arts in some capacity. So um, initially I went to school um, for theater and directing. So a lot of my curatorial aesthetic definitely has a theater bent to it. Um, A lot of my exhibitions um, have installations that I create in-house. They have a a bit more of a set set design feel. Um, And I pull a lot of that from um, my theater background. And then, you know, I've always been into music. I started collecting art when I was 18. So it's always been part of my daily life. Um, and But I really never focused on visual art for myself. It was more I was doing it, curating. I was, you know, in education. But I think it was in maybe 2016, I just thought I really need to focus on my own art because I had a lot in me that I wanted to get out. I love painting. But I knew if I didn't dedicate my time and get a studio space, it wouldn't be something that I kept up with. So I initially rented studio space at North Main Studios, the old Atwood building. And I knew if I was paying a studio a studio rent, that I, I would do it. It's just like my gym membership. You know, if you're going to pay a gym membership, you better be going. And That's um, a nice incentive there, paying money. You better get something out of it. I better, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm Swedish, so I, I like a deal. And, you know, I can't let money go to waste. So, <laughs> um, but, so I rented the studio space. It was huge uh, at North Main Studios. It's about 600 square feet, which for me, it was great because I also wanted to make it a really comfortable environment for myself. So I put a couch in there. I, I put my record player in there so I could be listening. So it would be a place that I wanted to go to. And I just got really serious about about painting and making myself do it. And uh, by no means do I call myself an artist. Um, I, I, I love painting. I, I don't think I qualify as an artist. Um, there might be one or two folks out there who would argue with you <laughs> about that. Uh, in particular, you participated in, I believe, 317 Art Collective's Dark Arts Velvet Showcase. That was actually at Mainframe. Mainframe, excuse that was Mainframe, me. Mainframe, yeah. Sorry. Mainframe's Dark Arts Velvet Showcase, uh, in which you produced uh, a series of abstract paintings uh, that are mod- modeled off of the uh, the shapes that uh, a velvet sheet takes when you brush your hand across it. Can you explain that series a little bit for us? Yeah. So um, Dark Arts Velvet Show, um, I knew it was going to be at at mainframe, I knew that I had a specific amount of room. I don't. I, maybe it was through three seventeen, uh, but I know it was at. Okay, we'll have to get our fact checkers. Yeah, we'll on get that our one. facts okay. straight on that one. But um, it was at at mainframe, and so when it was proposed that everything had to be on velvet, I clammed up a little bit because painting on velvet is very difficult, and um, 
you know, it was like, oh my gosh, do I do puff paint on velvet? Like, how do I make this work? You know? And so um, I was just trying to think of different ways that I could kind of, I don't know, find the loophole for not painting on velvet. And so I was talking to my friend Francis, uh, who at the time worked at the museum. And he said, you know, why don't you, why don't, have you ever tried flocking? And I said, no, I haven't. That's a great idea because I love the look of flocking. It's, you and know, flocking is uh, the, the word sounds just like a flock of birds. Right. Yeah. And uh, briefly, the process of flocking is so flocking is basically pulverized fiber. So it's just fiber that's crushed up. Um, I like to describe it as what you'd see on a Christmas tree. If it's got that fake snow, that is flocking. So um, the way you use flocking is that you you get you can buy these fibers in multiple colors, but I really wanted to stick with that black velvet look. So I just did it on paper, on like a thick watercolor paper, and I poured oil. And I did the shapes that I wanted. And then you take these two tubes, put your flocking fiber in it, and then you're able to kind of squirt it out. It's like a, it's like a gun. Um, like it's a got, caulking gun. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. A, yep. Yep. And so it's got holes at the end of this. And so when you're pumping this, this flocking gun, it's, it's shooting the flocking fibers out and creating a really like even surface. So I would build up this oil so that it was thick. And that way, when you put the flocking fibers on it, it's basically, it's taking on the look of velvet. So it created this really thick shape. It was great, and it looked like velvet. So that's how I was able to work around. And I sold out that show. Congratulations. Yeah, so it was something that I was like, hey, there's something here. So I started flocking kind of everything after that, and that kind of became my my look for for a while and when i stop people are like when 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 are you going to start flocking again so i still flock a little bit but All i'm right. i'm trying new materials now so your uh, attempt at skirting the rules of this uh, art show uh, really pushed the boundaries so you created something new and interesting uh, that that folks are responding to yeah yep absolutely and- and uh, speaking of responding to and, and, and interacting with, this feels very much like a tactile piece of artwork mm-hmm. that you've come up with. Do you encourage folks to then go and tussle up uh, these canvases? Not always. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Sometimes so touching, like, not always. Touching, allowed. not always. Um, we just uh, at three seventeen, they did the scratch and sniff show, and that one I was telling people, "Hey, go ahead and touch it." But I just love again the tactile. I love the textures. So I'm starting to sew in my pieces now too. Creating, I'm starting to use rubber paint. So it's all about textures and and uh, using new materials to make to make my paintings interesting not many people know that you are a singer as well and um if i've produced this show correctly listeners you are being introduced at the beginning of the show with some of carrie's singing and we will go out with some of that as well um how long have you been singing forever since Um, forever yeah so i was uh singing from when i was a little kid in choirs in high school at Guilford, I was in madrigals and acapella, and I loved musical theater. And that's really when I went to school. That's what my I was going for, and uh, I figured out very quickly that I had to do a lot of dance for that too. Which I love to dance, but it wasn't necessarily the path I wanted to take. So I kind of dropped the music part of 
of my degree and kept going with theater. But uh, after that, I was in a band in Rockford uh, called The Carriers. And then my partner, Rick, and I, um, he's also a studio artist, and he's an amazing musician. And he actually um, does now some music that responds to my paintings. So we're able to collaborate in that way, too, which has been really fun. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, he does a lot of ambient music that uh, is his response to my paintings. So um, he comes to my studio a lot, and he'll be playing out in the little... Uh, lobby area of my studio where painting doesn't happen, but I'm listening to him and I start to paint. So that's been a really fun transition for me too. Sounds like quite a feedback loop there of creativity. If he's trying to react to your paintings and you are painting in reaction to his music there. And usually he'll have a piece there that he's looking at when he's playing, but I don't know what he's looking at. And so it is kind of this great response back and forth that we've, that we have, um, And so, yeah, some of the music that you're hearing, we've just been doing some covers. We're trying to get more into originals now, but it's just, it's fun to have that person there that's like, hey, let's try this song. And, you know, and so we're just, it's just a lot of fun for us. It's it's something that, you know, we're, we're trying and so... I try to keep my work as fun as possible, too, or at least maybe the images aren't necessarily evocative of fun, but I certainly enjoy my time producing these news images, and I think that's a testament to my longevity in in this tough, uh, abrasive industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keeping it interesting to oneself will produce great work uh, over the long run. And that way, too, everybody's seeing your voice and they're getting your reaction to things, and that's what makes everything more interesting. Indeed, indeed. You said you've been singing forever. Forever. I I assume that also covers some of your childhood and your growing up years. Yeah. Did you come from an artistic family? Oh, no. (laughs) No? (laughs) No. Wow. Um, You know, I shouldn't say that because my... uh, Parts of my extended family are are very artistic. My aunt and uncle are artists, and um, my parents. My mom, she will she would never say she's creative, but she is. Um, my brother is also a painter. My other brother is the complete opposite and more of you know the business guy. But my brother definitely is uh, is an artist himself. And so I've got parts of my family that are creative, but the important, the the best part of growing up was that they were so super supportive of everything in the arts. When I told them I was going to art school, that was a little bit like, ooh, that might be hard, but you know, I've made it work. So yeah, something worked out for yes, you. Yes, something the worked there. there yep. As you are doing your research for uh, shows at the Rockford Art Museum, uh, who is catching your eye these days as far as contemporary artists in, in any genre, really? Who's, who's catching your eye these days? Oh, man. Well, I was just coming off of the Cheryl Pope show, and she really was um, such so inspirational. Um, we were able I, – I was so blown away by her mind and the way she thinks about things and – the way that she crafts her artwork, um, I thought it was so beautiful how she's really pulling in the social and political um, environment that we all live in today, and that she was able to be the the voice of all of these kids that she's constantly working with. I think that I, that was so moving to me, seeing an artist that um, 
is is really kind of just listening and responding again. And so Cheryl Pope was one that just knocked my socks off because she made me look at artwork in a totally different way. And she was so connected with our community. We were working with Patriots Boxing Club and we were able to reach out to so many different. That boxing club is over on 7th Street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun to work with them. And we did a fight night at the museum. And we had about 600 people there, 600 families that were coming out to see these little kiddos um, fighting. And we, and we combined spoken word with We Empower too. So we were able to work with so many different parts of our community, so many different groups in our community. And that's really what ins- is inspirational to me, um, is how can I engage with my community? How can I bring in artists that are also going to embrace this community and work with us? Um, so Cheryl Pope was huge. Um, the the next show, the first show for 2020, I'm working with an artist named Laura Lori Hogan and Derek Bish. Lori Hogan's a professor at University of Illinois. Derek Bish uh, is a Madison artist and professor, and uh, they have a ton of color and really fun narrative in their work. So I'm they're really inspired by music. So even reading about their studio practice and what who they listen to in their paintings. So Lori's really into David Bowie and uh, Derek Bish is really into Miles Davis and more of the jazz guys. And so I'm, I'm going to do a playlist of who inspires them. That's going to be playing throughout the exhibition. That sounds very similar to what you just described with you and Rick yeah. producing artwork in your own studio there. Yeah. So you're bringing a, a similar process uh, from your personal life into uh, the the museum itself, for sure. I really like to combine different um, different elements in each show, so that it's not so structured. So you're not just walking in and seeing a beautiful exhibition of paintings, but there's some other element that that you're bringing in. Um, with Derek and Lori, also they're really inspired by literature. So again, I'm going to work with the Rockford Public Library and create a, a book list and hopefully have little little seating areas in the gallery that people can sit down, flip through books that inspire these two artists to kind of engage with what is going through this person's mind when they're painting. Will those painting books and, be from the library yeah, itself yep, here? Yep. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so we love to collaborate with different organizations in Rockford too. And um, so, if you're out there and we haven't, <laughs> if we haven't collaborated with you, please reach out to us because we're always looking for new avenues and new ways to engage with our community and artists um, in our community. So, with all of your professional work uh, in the Rockford art community and the the, the Rockford regional uh, art community here, where do you think the future of art in Rockford is going here? And I've been dying to ask you specifically this question. It's something. It's it's one of my evergreen questions. Everybody's going to get this question when they come to uh, come on to meet the artist. Yeah. But from your position, from your unique position in Rockford, I'm uh, really curious where you think the future of art here is going. I, I'm so impressed all the time by the size of our art community, how supportive everybody is of each other. So I am really excited for the art community in Rockford because everybody is getting out there. It's not something where, you know, 
you've got a little collective that's not really doing things. You've got so many different groups, um, different galleries that are opening all over the place. The pop-up galleries are great. Um, so I think the future is we just need to keep moving forward. And I'm so excited by the murals that are going up. Um, I think it's really important for us as the Rockford community to be inclusive. Um, so we need to support our local artists, but we also need to open our doors to other artists that want to come into our community and do murals and do sculptures. So I think moving forward, um, I think we can keep moving in this direction of public art and doing sculptures. I think, I think that's where we need to refocus too, is that we need to look at it not only as the museum, but other entities of, we can't rely on people coming in through our doors. We need to get out there too. So these pop-up galleries are really important. I think um, doing um, these kind of pop-up installations everywhere. I know Pablo Corona was doing um, some things with with public art too and, and awarding grants. I think that's really important, but I think it's super, super important for us to keep in our minds that we need to be inclusive to everyone. So we can't just be this little community that's just here. We need to open our arms to new people coming in that we can learn from, that we can engage with, that can learn from us, um, because I think Rockford has a lot to give and a lot to offer. Um, So personally, I would love to see some artists and residents residency programs happen. I would love to work with the city um, and the Convention of Visitors Bureau at some point to work on um, a residency program where we can engage with international artists and um, bring them here for a year to do a project based on Rockford and our community. Um, That is a goal that I've had for a very long time is to get residency programs. So if you're out there and you've got some apartment space that you'd like to donate for a year, um, that that could be where it starts is just getting artists in here that are really going to engage with our community, just kind of like Cheryl Pope did, but having it be like a year-long residency program that we can offer to international artists. One fr- frustration that I hear from uh, individual artists that come into this studio is trying to outlive or live beyond the shadow of Chicago. In so many ways, Rockford is um, uh, doing its own thing very well, but still lives on a, on a national and regional stage inside the sh- uh, shadow of Chicago. Um, and it sounds like you've got a few ideas on how we here in this city can do our own thing and expand beyond the reaches and the, the, the shadow of Chicago. We already are. I, I I have to tell you that I, I feel bad that artists feel like that, but I will tell you whenever I'm in Chicago, which is pretty frequently, and if, if I'm going to openings and things like that, Chicago knows our scene. They know our scene. They know our museum. They know our galleries. Um, they're they're looking at us for sure. Um, so. I honestly think, too, that Rockford, we have such a unique aesthetic. We have such a unique attitude that's so different um, than Chicago. So I think we just need to keep pushing ourselves and keep going in the direction that we're going. I also feel really inspired because I have not seen a lot of 
Now, maybe this is just because I'm not seeing everything, but I don't see a lot of divides in our community. I don't see, hey, we're not going to go to this space. We're not going to go to the I see everybody really encouraging each other. And I think if we keep that in our minds and in our hearts to just keep raising up our art community as a whole, we're going to we're going to do huge things. But I would not worry about being in the shadow of Chicago because we are we have our own style. We are definitely pushing the boundaries. I mean, people talk about Rockford everywhere, especially regionally. I mean, I just met with some people last week from Milwaukee that were like, Rockford's blowing our mind. So I think it's important that we stay really positive, that we are embracing new things and new changes, and that we do continue to promote all of these amazing projects that we have going on on our social media pages, because that's where they're engaging with us. So it's definitely important to keep plugging away at your social media making sure that people are seeing it, follow galleries and museums because they could follow you back. And then there you go. Well, we'll certainly uh, promote your uh, Instagram page and website in the description of this podcast here. Encouraging words from Carrie Johnson, the interim executive director and chief curator of the Rockford Art Museum. Carrie, before I let you go, I have to do one last segment here. Um, with every guest of mine, I love to troll and scroll your <laughs> Instagram feed for a post whose backstory just demands to be told. So I have found you and the Rockford Art Museum on Instagram at Rockford Art, one word, all lowercase. And I found a post from late last week. It's a video post um, of you outside of the museum. The uh, description, or the, the uh, yeah, the description there says, Jim Julin, big chair, gets a facelift. Stay tuned for the big reveal. The video shows you uh, sharing what's happening with Jim Julin's iconic big chair sculpture outside the front lawn of the museum as it's restored back to the original seafoam green color there. Uh, since I'm not going to play the video here on this podcast, mm -hmm. why don't you just tell us what's going on here? So Jim Jolene was um, an artist that I've never met one person that hasn't had the best words to say about him. He was such uh, an amazing artist and really was such a treasure to our community. Um, he passed away... Um, a few years ago in 2012. And um, so this chair started in 2002 um, when Jerry Cortman and Doc Slavkowski um, of Jerry Cortman Center for Design had an exhibition in their gallery space, and it was all about furniture. It was a furniture show. And so the way I've heard it told is that Jim decided to create this huge chair um, that obviously was not going to be going into the gallery. So it sat outside basically on North Main Street before that was opened up. So it was more of like kind of a, a thoroughfare, a mall area. So he, yeah, once upon a time, that downtown stretch was a pedestrian walkway. Exactly. And so we plopped the chair out there. And, um, and after that show was over, so it was... Jim's uh, Swedish, and so his whole idea behind this chair was that he'd always see in his in the grandma's houses of, of the Swedish community when he was growing up 
these old chairs, these old wooden chairs. And instead of buying new chairs, new dining room chairs, um, he said that they would just kind of repaint the chair. And it was with whatever house paint that they had. And so he always remembered the seafoam retro green that was used. So that was the, the first color that that chair was supposed to be. And it started as this kind of more uh, Kelly green. And um, so that's the color that it was. At that time, too, when the chair was going to move, um, local collectors, um, Lon and Dick Bear, decided that they wanted to move it to Rockford Art Museum's Sculpture Garden. So they purchased the piece, donated it to the museum. And then the story that I heard was that the green faded too much into the backdrop so nobody could see it. So with Jim's consent, they painted it this Swedish flag blue, which it has been ever since. Well, Jim passed away, and um, and so going back through the files, the chair needed some work. It was starting to rust. Um, and so we talked at the museum and our committee about changing it back to its original color of the seafoam green and doing it really. And we're just kind of paying homage to Jim Jolene and, and this chair that we've had now for 15 years. And um, so actually John Deal, who was Jim Jolene's very close friend and another amazing artist um, and really just a staple in Rockford's art community. It was really important for him to be able to repaint it um, as his sign of, you know, love and respect for Jim. So he painted it last week and it's just so nice to see it have a little bit of a facelift and, and get back to its original color. And so we thought that's the, the best thing that we could do in memory of, of Jim. And that is a giant piece of sculpture in the <laughs> Sculpture Garden of the Rockford Art Museum right there on North Main Street. Anybody walking by and driving by can see it there uh, in its new found colorful glory here. My guest today is Carrie Johnson, Interim Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Rockford Art Museum. Carrie, thanks so much for coming in to the Rock, uh, Rockford Register Star Newsroom today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Meet the Artist is made possible through the journalism of the Rockford Register Star. The episode's theme music is a cover of Telephone Line by Electric Light Orchestra and performed by Carrie Johnson and Rick Zilhart in 2016. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.